0: Well, here we are again. Welcome back to Advancing Our Church. I'm your host, Jim Friend. And as always, I am so grateful that you have decided to join us for today's show. Believe it or not, as we drop this podcast, next week is Holy Week and we're coming to the end of the Lenten season. I hope you've had a great Lenten journey so far. And I hope that it has allowed you to draw closer in your relationship with Christ. This past week, we celebrated the feast of Saint Joseph. And I think as I have gotten just a little bit older, I've come to more fully appreciate the gift of St. Joseph to our church. I think I didn't notice him at first because he has been the quiet man in the history of human salvation, because scripture doesn't really have much to say about him, and yet his quiet and his unassuming role in the lives of Mary and Jesus have earned him an unforgettable and amazing place in our Christian faith. So, for just a minute, let me single out just three things that we celebrate about St. Joseph, and this feels like the right moment given our topic on today's show. First, he was the husband of the Blessed Virgin Mary. If it were not for that fact, if it were not for her, the world would never have heard of him. He loved a young Jewish maiden who said yes to God in complete trust and confidence, and he joined her in that yes. Joseph as husband of Mary is the model of openness to God's will. Second, Joseph was the foster father of Jesus. And Pope Francis describes the fatherhood of Joseph in many ways as a beloved father a tender and loving father, an obedient father, an accepting father, a courageous father, a working father, and a father in the shadows. He was a quiet man of whom Pope Benedict encouraged, let us allow ourselves to be infected by the silence of Joseph. We have much need of it in a world which we know is often too noisy and does not encourage reflection and listening to the voice of God. Third and finally, Joseph was a working man who found God's presence in human labor. He was humble, and he did not seek recognition or privilege in his daily life. The calluses on his hands bore great witness to the dignity of everyday ordinary life. For the Christian, Joseph, as a quiet working man, showed what it meant to practice the presence of God. He is a model of quiet prayer and closeness to Jesus, whose example invites us to think about the time that we devote to prayer each day. So I invite you to reflect on St. Joseph, especially if you are a man, to ask God for the grace to imitate this quiet man in the daily space of our own personal prayer life. Before we get started, I also want to thank our sponsor, Changing Our World. Changing Our World is a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been serving the Catholic Church for more than 20 years. And if you're thinking about a capital campaign or a major gift effort, Or maybe you just need to think through some engagement strategies with your donors. These guys have run capital campaigns and major gift efforts of all shapes and sizes all around the country. I want you to visit their website at changingourworld.com where you can learn more about their complete suite of services. You can find a link to their website in the show notes of this episode. Once again, thank you to Changing Our World for sponsoring this episode. Now, let's get to work. Today I speak with Andy Lesnevsky, the president of Vagabond Missions, which is a national organization that shares the gospel with inner-city teens by equipping young adults to serve as Catholic missionaries. Since 2018, Vagabond Missions has quadrupled its footprints by opening missions in four new cities. The Vagabond staff currently serves inner-city teenagers in Pittsburgh, Wichita, Steubenville, Mobile, Oklahoma, Indianapolis, Philadelphia… And Greenville, North Carolina. And so, without further ado, here's my conversation with Andy Lesnevsky. Well, Andy, welcome to the show. So glad to have you here at Advancing Our Church. Happy to be here. So, Andy, why don't we start with just tell us a little bit about your own journey? How did you wind up getting into youth ministry?
1: I, from a young age, always wanted to be a, a youth minister. I'm actually, Growing up, my mom served as our youth minister at our church, but was kind of kind of a situation where they needed a youth minister. She wasn't necessarily like trained or experienced in youth ministry, but just said, "I'll I'll do it." And uh, so it ended up bearing a lot of fruit. At one point, me and two of my brothers were all uh, youth ministers. You know, did some things in ministry. So yeah, just journeyed into serving the church and and doing evangelization work. You know, for the last twenty years now.
0: That's incredible. So it's almost like the family business, it sounds like.
1: <laughs> yeah, I used to joke around that. It was like we have a defective family gene. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I also started my career in youth ministry many years ago. So it's always it's always great when I get the opportunity to kind of revisit the ministry with somebody who's, especially someone like you, has been working in it, serving in it for such a long time. How did you get started in Vagabond Missions? I know that your brother is the founder and you're now the CEO. Tell us a little bit about kind of that journey. My
1: brother, Bob, founded the, the mission and kind of similar in a similar time when he was founding it. Um, I was a few years into uh, ministry at, at, at a parish, so I um, was still kind of getting my feet wet at that point. And so we did a lot of things together. I, I think I was first a donor to Vagabond before I was a volunteer. Volunteered, we would do kind of ministry opportunities together with kids from the suburbs and kids from the inner city. I um, eventually served as a board member. For 15 years, I worked in in one parish, and it was a real blessing. And I never was really looking to do something different till towards the end of my time there, felt like the Lord stirring something new. At that point, I made the mistake of telling the Lord, "I'll do anything but work for vagabond or ask people for money." And <laughs> uh, you know, his sense of humor, uh, right. and uh, you know, that's primarily what I do now. <laughs> but I love it. I just feel like coming to vagabond has been. Just a big part of my 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 journey, a big part of our family's journey for for my wife and I, and really feel when I came moved to Pittsburgh and started doing ministry in Pittsburgh, God had me here for a bigger reason and a bigger purpose, and feel like I get to do that and live that now every day using my full gifting, all my calling, and my creativity um, in mission and ministry, and yeah, just feel like feel blessed. I always tell people when we're doing recruiting or talking to people around ministry, it's like I, I really believe and hope that you know everyone could could feel and experience i think what a lot of our staff get to do which is using all of their like their whole self in mission and ministry and 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 in a way that's really fulfilling but in a way that's also building up the kingdom and and really seeing great fruit happen
0: I'll bet, uh, and the transformation you must see in young people has got to be extremely um, a blessed experience. Andy, tell me a, l- a little bit about the name Vagabond. How, how did how did that kind of come about? Yeah, so actually, when we were first
1: formed, we were Dirty Vagabond Ministries back in the day. Honestly, say like a lot of times when you're starting a, a nonprofit or or a venture, like there wasn't there wasn't a thought like. Hey, what would this look like if we were in in a bunch of different cities, or right. try to be in every major city? And so, you know, the name at first is kind of like chosen in, in a sense of yeah, just being something different and out there. But the 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 main purpose in, in the in the word vagabond, um, and I think one thing that sometimes people you know like it, it gives them a little bit of a like step back or like hey, what does that mean? You know, right. are we talking you know in a way that's like objectifying the the people we serve, but really. The heart of of being a vagabond is that for us as the missionaries, we are the vagabonds. Similar to, you know, Christ says, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no no place to lay his, his, his head. And it's a remembrance as a missionary that this is not our home, that heaven is. And so we journey together as as vagabonds as those who are pointing others and trying to lead other people to that home of heaven one christ is the vagabond two we're the vagabond and then just inviting people on that journey with us
0: it's a massive mission that you have. It's just incredible. And and there's so much hopelessness out there and, and homelessness and um, food insecurity and, and education, just so many needs that our young people have that I'm sure that you encounter and ask to or, or somehow address in some way. But how do we break this kind of cycle of hopelessness that we find in our inner city youth today?
1: What we've realized over the years is there are so many needs. One of the things what we look at is like one of the, the inner city of the church is, is kind of the frontier of evangelization. There's a lot of churches, you know, maybe more like per capita than any other place, you know, right. that, that we look at. But at the same point, we often find churches empty. We often, or if they are full, they're often full of people coming in from outside or, you know, there's really a lack of ministry specifically targeted to teenagers what we really see is that there's so many efforts and things going on in the world to to address some of the things going on in the inner city but there's not a lot of great fruit and i think a lot of the reason for that is unless you know hope and love money doesn't just necessarily like fix things there's got to be like purpose and meaning behind it and so what we've tried to do is be really good at what we do and not try to not try to fix every need because there's so many, so many things happening. When we can, we resource people out to other ministries or other resources. But what we are primarily focused on is evangelization, sharing the gospel with inner city teens. And we do that by following a model, you know, a ministry that Christ really lays out in a sense of spending time with people, building relationships. Ultimately that's that's typically, you know, done, you know, in a smaller group environment. Focused on really dialing in on a few people. That's kind of what we do. We show up where kids are and see that, that hope changes in and through relationship. Um, it's not a, it's not a drive by evangelization. It's not a putting on a DVD program. It's day in and day out walking with really some amazing teens who oftentimes maybe are just struggling because of their life circumstance and things that, that they haven't chosen or can't control. And so entering into that, those lives and, and being able to build relationship and ultimately share the love of Jesus through that relationship.
0: In one of the videos on your website that I was watching just to kind of get to know you guys a little better. There was one of you and your brother. You told a story of a young woman who was originally a part of your ministry and then became kind of part of your, your, your coaches, one of your coaches. Can you tell us a little bit about, I think her name was, it was Disha, Dishia. Deja. Deja. Um, yeah, Deja
1: is just Deja. absolutely is a, is a blessing. We've actually, over the past few years, we've had six different former teens like who came through the mission and ministry, right. become missionaries, and, and Deja was one of them. Um, she she's on a little bit of a leave from the sure. mission. She's Franciscan University of Steubenville. I'm Great. working on her undergrad now, but she just a really great kid when yeah. she was when i first met her what one of the weeks we do in the year is usually a summer camp week and it's just a really great opportunity for transformation it's a great opportunity for kids to kind of go through hear the gospel have but to also like just do some really fun things like rope's mm-hmm. course and zip ziplining yeah. and deja came and um, deja wasn't in a great spot and ended up having to send deja home and and those moments are really tough in leading a mission like we do, because often, often when you say goodbye to a kid and have to send them home, you you know there's a risk that that's the last time, like they're ever going to step foot in something that we're doing. But our, our missionaries were consistent in Deja's life. She ended up becoming Catholic. Just had a really kind of beautiful transformation in her life, and kind of worked through a lot of things with her 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 missionary team, and really felt this pull in her heart to do mission and was actually thinking about doing another mission work and the, just really kind of heard the voice of the Lord say like, no, like Vagabond's where you need to serve. And so we were blessed to have her move from the North Carolina mission up here to Pittsburgh um, and serve with our teens here um, in the Hill District. And just really a, a beautiful um, example of like the Lord at work and just the hope that that, that Christ brings us as, as we serve him and and mm-hmm. say yes that's wonderful.
0: How how are your recruitment efforts going? Uh, is are is there a big need out there as you're trying to grow this ministry?
1: Yeah, we are one of our, our big goals for the year is to to hire 35 missionaries. And we've got a, a big weekend coming up, our encounter weekend, so they're coming all those can uh, the candidates that are, are in the pipeline now and are coming to that um, to kind of see and experience a little bit of of the mission, but the need's great. You know, I think if we had a a missionary tree that just grew missionaries, we could staff a lot more missions but you know i think being a missionary is is one of the greatest things anyone can do with their life and it is something i think in some sense you know there's a it's the heart of the church is is missions and so you know whether it's with agamond or with with another organization i think it's something that everyone at some point in their life should pray about like is is god calling me like to mission, like, how is he calling me? You know, he's calling all of us to serve in some sense. And so whether that's to help send people or whether that's to go, but yeah, we would love to continue to, to grow. So we've got a good group in the pipeline. We still ha- have spots open and, and, and are eager and excited to continue conversations with new candidates in, in terms of um, coming in, but. Yeah, it's definitely one of our biggest needs, I think, in terms of as we grow, like continue to find ways to to partner. We partner with Focus at the SEEK conference or different Mm -hmm. universities with visits. So those are, are good opportunities for us to kind of get the word out but just continue to cast the net and invite people into mission.
0: Makes sense. Uh, you, you're a, a people organization. And, and so it's a, it's a huge uh, forming those people and educating them and training them and providing them with the tools that they need. That That's uh, obviously a big part of what you do. Tell us, being on the front lines in, in this ministry, what are some of the biggest needs that you're seeing from young people today?
1: You know, I, I think the the number one thing is always just to experience love and you know uh, mother teresa said like the greatest poverty is being unloved unwanted and 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 that can that can extend outside of obviously outside of physical poverty like and i think one of the things that we try to be like intentional about it's not like we're coming in to a community to 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 be the savior or like we can fix everything cuz we're we've got perfect lives but you know we're journeying together and we know the hope that christ has brought us and that you know everyone's primary basic need obviously there's food and water and shelter and those things but you know, from a faith perspective everyone's basic need is to be loved you know and to love you know and so we try to invite kids into that you know each and every day so i mean there's lots of needs and i think poverty we've we've seen this looks different from city to city and even there's places where we have multiple missions um so in pittsburgh and wichita uh, we've both got three different missions each one of those neighborhoods poverty looks different maybe food security's higher over here or there's more violence more gang activity but uh, honestly the greatest need and why why the mission works you know in some senses that we're consistent we love on people that just breaks down whatever barrier, and then like we try to look at what those specific needs are that we see with the kids that we're serving um, in that community.
0: Mm. What are some of the characteristics of a vagabond missionary that you look for in in someone who wants to says I, I'm I'm thinking about serving and and I feel like I'm being called in this area? What are some of the kinds of characteristics or skill sets that that you look for in, in one of your in Your missionaries?
1: I think our missionaries are a little like have a, a tendency to be a little bit more. They're willing to take some risks. I think we have both extroverts and introverts serving within mission, but they can't be shy in a sense of that. They're unwilling to kind of get out and have conversation um, because that's such a primary piece of who we are. It, it's probably the the number one thing is like you got to be willing to get out and to talk and to um, engage people. We talk about like some core, core values, core, core things that we have. Um, so we're, we're centered in prayer. We have a deep prayer life. The work flows out of our rule of life. So, I mean, Mother Teresa, who's one of our patrons, talked a lot about, like, living an active contemplative life. And so the work that we do flows out of our prayer. Um, And so we're really committed to a daily holy hour, daily mass, prayer and community, deep prayer life. We're driven to mission. We're self-starters, kind of selfless, builders of community. We like to to see community be built up and and to be a part of that. And I think sometimes we think about that just in the positive, in a sense of like it's one thing that I think a lot of young adults are looking for. You want to be a part of community. And it's also in part important though for the teens that we're blessed to serve that they see healthy community. Cause oftentimes there's just such an erosion of healthy community, whether it's family or friendships and relationships in general in the inner city. So community is a big blessing, but it's also tough because you're you're sharing life with one another and, 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 you know, sharing meals and um, our, our missionaries, we provide housing for our missionaries. So they live in, in community. The last piece is, is fun. I, I think we have some of the most amazing staff and um, we're intentionally fill, try to live a life full of joy because one thing I I would say it's like, you know, I think maybe what surprised some people like difference between an inner city teen and a teen in the suburbs, oftentimes, I think there's more joy and resilience in the kids, the teens that we're blessed to serve in the inner city because sometimes it could be just like we've got a portable sound system and an iPod that uh, an i iPhone or something we could connect to it and just, you know, play music for two hours. We can dance and have fun and just be filled with joy. And we can't be kind of sad and and not, you know, engaging people. So we're really fun. So we make that, you know, that might sound like a silly thing to say as a, as a value, no. but I think that too often the, the image of a, of a missionary or someone who for the church is someone that could be, you know, boring or, you know, just, uh, whatever. And and I think there's something to be said that we just, Jesus says in John ten ten, like I came that you might have life and have it to the full. Yeah. Um, and so just really embracing that and, and living that out on a daily basis.
0: It sounds like it takes a certain amount of courage, just the opposite, right? It's, it's courage to be kind of come out of yourself and be present to people. It's really a ministry of presence with our young people. And that takes a, a spirituality and a, and a groundedness within yourself, but also the willingness to be open to community, whether it's the the other missionaries that you're serving with or, or the, the young people that you're serving with. I, I would imagine you probably attract a certain age group, but do you ever get somebody who's kind of out of those young adult years who wants to kind of be a part of your mission? Yeah,
1: we had a missionary who served for three or four years that was 40. Okay. Um, there's not really an age limit. One of the things that we're intentional about, I think too, that's a little bit different than maybe some other missionary organizations is that we have people looking to serve for a couple of years, but we also have people looking and praying about, is this my lifelong, okay. you know, like mission? And, and it, it is a mission that they can continue on in and, and grow in and people serving on different levels. And we have people, you know, single married with kids you know and and continuing to really serve the lord there's kind of standard i mean our typical age range is college grad but we've had people doing kind of a gap year usually say to be a year at least a year out of high school but kind of taking some time off or maybe college isn't the right fit for them and they just want to do mission so we're happy to pray through and discern whether this is the right fit for them and welcome them into the mission as well
0: sure I would imagine that you get inquiries quite a bit around the country for uh, your ministry to come to different cities. How how does that happen that you are you know you come to a city and 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 establish this ministry?
1: You know, I think one of the things that we feel blessed about is that I think we're the the first and the only mission that does kind of what we do. And I say that not that there aren't pockets of inner city youth ministry happening other places, but in a way that we say we've found mission to be sustainable scalable and then like just have a network of support to raise up missionaries to raise up managers of missionaries leaders of missionaries and kind of make a mission that is going to outlast any one person yeah and the inquiries kind of have feel like we get a lot of inquiries whether it's you know every other week or sometimes more often but you know there's there's different pieces of of that process we I mean, want obviously like we wrap that process in prayer and discernment but the the pieces of what it typically takes to run or get a mission started um include like a fundraising component it usually costs about $100,000 a year program cost you know just in terms of direct ministry to kids so we try to project that out for 3 years and work on getting that first year funded before we're kind of getting ready to open in a city that cost is all that's not staffing cost um that number is just you know, purely on running a youth center, having housing, transportation, food, all the, all the things that go into serving kids on a daily basis. The second would be, yeah, maybe even primary to that would be having key leadership staff in the local area. So you usually want to have like one to two staff who are on board and um, getting that mission open, who are committed to the mission, but also committed to that, that local city um, and seeing that happen. Three, we don't open in any city diocese without the the invitation of of the bishop we serve alongside the church and are are blessed to do so um, but don't want to be anywhere that we're not invited and haven't been you know talk there with the bishop around like what what the ministry looks like and how we you know hope and plan to serve the church in the local area
0: of course yeah that's that's beautiful so if I'm, I'm listening to this conversation and I, I can't volunteer because I have other obligations, but I want to help, what are some of your greatest needs that you might be raising funds for right now to support your mission?
1: Yeah, I mean, financially, we're kind of, I would say, in a season of continued growth. And, you know, I mean, the easiest way to donate is obviously to, to go to our website. They could donate online or get our address if they want to send a, a check in. But, you know, we're in a season of, of really tra- continued to grow where we are. Uh, but continue to cast that net of like reaching more teens in more cities. I, we're happy to like have conversation with people too about some of those you know, like specific needs, whether it's in a specific city or nationally. I, I've learned to really love about fundraising is we, we talk a lot about like mission partners versus donors, just in the sense of we really want to invite people into partnership and to walk alongside us. And yeah. maybe they can't be out on the street every day or, you know, serving as a missionary, but. We really believe that the people who support us really help make miracles happen every day. So whether that's helping with food or helping with getting kids to camp, there's a lot that goes into it. There's the overhead costs in some sense of like actually running a building, actually yeah. driving kids around and feeding them. You know, day in and day out, we're just trying to make sure every dollar um, that we raise goes goes directly to, to to supporting those kids and supporting the missionaries who who walk alongside them.
0: Wonderful. Andy, I just want to thank you for being on the show today. It's an incredible mission that you serve, obviously one that is so needed and you're taking care of and stewarding our our greatest resource, our young people, the church of today and tomorrow. So thank you for all you do. And we'll leave a link to you and to vagabondmissions.com in the show notes of this episode. But just want to thank you for all you're doing for the church and for our young people.
1: Thanks, Jim. I appreciate the invitation to come on and be a part of the show. God bless. God bless.
0: I want to thank Andy for being on our show this week and for discussing this critical mission in our church today. For more information about Andy or Vagabond Missions, I will leave links in the show notes of this episode. Thank you, Andy, and the team at Vagabond Missions for making a difference in the lives of these young people. Well, that's our show this week. Special thanks to Pottery Studios for helping us to produce another great show. And if you'd like to help our show, please leave us a rating wherever you downloaded this podcast. And if this is your first time listening to Advancing Our Church, I hope you're going to stick around and subscribe. You can find us on all places where you download your favorite podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And for more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. And once again, many thanks to our sponsor, Changing Our World. You can find a link to their website in the show notes of this episode. That's it for me, everybody. I hope you have a great week and a wonderful end to your Lenten season. Take care and God bless.